0: In this edition of This Is Vinyl Tap Change, turn and face the straight Ch- Mickey Ch- Ach- Ch- played guitar, jamming is their life on Mars David Bowie, Hunky Dory versus The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and The Spiders from Mars. In 1948, Columbia Records introduced its long play 33 and a third micro groove record. The next year, RCA Victor introduced the 45 RPM record. This provided consumers a choice between buying only the song they liked or buying 45 minutes of music that required some effort to appreciate. Nobody could have foreseen how the long format would make something completely new, a comprehensive package of music that must be heard in full to be appreciated. The arrival of downloadable music has increased the temptation to stay in the shallow end with the hits. This is Vinyl Tap is about taking a deep dive into the full album. All right, guys. We have uh, two five-star classic masterpieces battling it out tonight. Jonathan Rowe will be taking the side of Hunky Dory. And Tony Slagle will be taking the side of The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. J.M., why is Hunky Dory such a great album?
1: It is one of his more personal albums. A couple of nods to his personal life in some of the songs. Also, I think the musicianship on this album is first rate. You really can't get a better piano player than Rick Wakeman. And he is all over this album. The songs, the way that they're arranged, are just fantastic. I don't know that Bowie has ever produced a more technically proficient album than this album. Is there a theme? There is a theme. It seems to be that he is taking in the influences of his life right now. So there are songs about his young son who had just been born, about him kind of settling down. There's songs about some of his influences. Uh, Andy Warhol, for one. Bob Dylan, for another. And while it's not a concept album by any stretch of the imagination, there is this sort of nod to David Bowie going from sort of the folk hero of Space Odyssey, becoming less Donovan and more his own sort of person. He's kind of finding his footing, I think, on this album more than he has in, in the past. If you just really kind of want to figure out the whole Bowie mystique, I think this is an excellent album to get started with
0: tony you got the you got the monster ziggy stardust and the spiders from mars
2: well uh yeah i don't i mean you could honestly say there's not a whole lot personal in this because what this what this is is the ultimate uh bowie being a chameleon and he embraces a a character and it and it shot through the entire album is shot through that so um but that's its strength, right? It's a, it's a collection of songs that, um, if, if anything, uh, reinforces the reason that we do this podcast, because you want to listen to the whole thing. Uh, you know, as compared to Hunky Dory, which is what we're doing, Hunky Dory is what I would call acoustic glam. Ziggy rocks. I mean, Ziggy, the, yes, Rick Wakeman, won't knock him, great piano player, couldn't get a better piano player, but... You don't need him on Ziggy Stardust because you've got Mick Ronson <laughs> being Mick Ronson and he's playing playing like there's no tomorrow. You know, it is a concept album. <laughs> uh, and like all rock and roll concept albums, it's a bit odd. Uh, it's, you know, essentially about a, uh, a rock and roll messiah uh, who may or may not be an alien. I and mean, he's singing about aliens. He's singing about these star men coming down to save the world. It takes place when the Earth has five years left.
0: I kiss you you're beautiful I want you to walk. we got five, years five, years. We got five years,
2: my I, I don't you know I've read places where it says it's because all our natural resources have dried up I don't I don't think the the song or the album ever really talks about why we have five years left um, If it does I've missed it but um, and so, this guy, Ziggy Stardust, this androgynous, uh, you know, uh, rock and roll messiah, comes down to preach to the kiddos about, you know, base, essentially what rock and roll's about. Um, well, at least in the early 70s, you know, peace and love. Um, but it's couched in this sort of hedonistic facade. Um, and then, as the album says, it's a rise and a fall. So, he, the kids love him. He gets, goes up to the top. And then, as he's, as he's up on the top, Rock and roll destroys him. You know his fame destroys him, and it ends with oh, rock and roll
1: suicide. You're a rock and roll suicide. Get too old to lose it. Too young to choose it. So, uh, yeah. So this is uh,
2: this is the Spider some Mars. You know, as the, as the album says, you've got Bowie playing Ziggy on uh, lead vocals. Obviously, you've got. Uh, Mick Rono Ronson on guitar, rocking, rocking and rolling. Got Trevor Boulder on bass, and Mick Woody Woodmanson on drums. As we mentioned earlier, there's no Rick Wakeman, but you don't need him. Um, here's a, here's an interesting thing I found out. I Just wanted to put this in. Uh, do you guys know where the name came from? No. So, so in 1954, I believe it's an Italian soccer game. Crowd of ten thousand people fell silent as this giant cigar-shaped cigar uh, object flew over the stadium. They thought they were seeing some sort of visitor from Mars. Found out it was a uh, collection of spider silk that had gotten up in the atmosphere and uh, was floating, <laughs> floating over the, <laughs> floating over the stadium. <laughs> Hence, spiders from
0: Mars. Anyway,
1: uh, that's good.
0: All right, J.M. Band and okay. personnel
1: so the interesting thing about this album is it has pretty much the exact same personnel as ziggy stardust uh got trevor boulder getting to stretch his chops on trumpets on one of his song one of the songs kooks
0: I'm up and
1: In my opinion this is the best Rick Wakeman has ever played. You know, you, he even said that playing on Life from Mars was his favorite experience that he's ever had.
0: It's a god awful small affair to the, girl with the mouse, yeah. but her is yelling no
1: and her daddy t- You've got Mick Ronson kind of stretching his wings as well this was the first album on which he did the arrangements so there's some strings and some horns on this album
0: don't believe in yourself don't deceive
1: this one is a meticulously arranged and composed album there are key changes in it that don't make any sense there are string arrangements that don't really make so much sense. Mick Ronson is restraining himself because you can see what happened on Ziggy Stardust. He just kind of went and let himself go. And this was where Bowie kind of stretched himself out too. He did a lot, he did this, all the sax parts on it. And there's a lot of sax parts on it. And you can even hear it in the first song, Changes. that's his sax on there and it's one of my no favorite idea. sax parts ever ever the
0: strength of the material jam a lot of strong okay. songs on this
1: all right i've talked about this with tony several times i believe that the first side of this album may be one of the best sides in rock and roll history changes um you got oh you pretty things but Then you know oh, the coup de grace on this side is Life on Mars. It's the fourth track, and this may be the greatest song that Bo- always ever written. It may be in the top five best songs ever written, in my opinion in the dance hall, oh man, look at those and go, it's the show. It is lush, it's just absolutely beautiful, it is complex. I challenge anybody that's a good piano player to try to just play this song. Uh, it's got the song Kooks even though it sounds like a love song, it's actually a song to his newborn son.
0: He was the guy that made that movie uh, The Moon, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was,
0: I just learned that. That's it. a cool fact.
1: That's a great That's movie. A great movie. And I basically never listened to the second side of this album the whole time I was in high school. Which is another one of my favorite uh, Bowie songs, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I like "Fill Your Heart" quite a bit too. There's there's some really cool string arrangements. Oh, happiness!
0: happiness.
2: I just want to break in here for a moment. Uh, Do you do you know who uh, do you know who recorded "Fill Your Heart" before Bowie did? There, JM. I do not. It was the B side of the tiptoe through the tulip single by Tiny Tim. That song that song was actually that song was actually co-written. That song was co-written by
0: Paul Williams. Wow. So Well, I, um, if we're gonna talk about songs that were sung by somebody before this, we have to talk about oh you pretty, Thing.
1: oh, pretty things. Oh you pretty things. Oh,
0: that got up to what? Number 12 or something on the UK charts with, uh, Peter Noon from, from uh, Hermits, Hermits, Hermits. Hermits,
2: Hermit's Hermit's Hermit's.
0: That's right. Tony, let's, uh, let's hear what you have to say about uh, the strength of the material on Ziggy. So, uh,
2: I've said this to both of you guys, and it just I'll just say it, because it, to me it's an easy kind of metaphor for what I think about these albums. I think about them in the same way I think about two Mel Brooks movies, Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles. Young Frankenstein is a better all-around film, I think. Just from beginning to end, it's a better film. Whereas uh, Blazing Saddles is funnier, but it's not, I mean, it doesn't hold up in some places as well as Young Frankenstein is. I feel that same way about these albums. Hunky Dory definitely has the stronger songs on it, some of them, but Ziggy is a much better piece of music and as jm said he never listened to the second side again why are we here what are we discussing it's listening to the whole album i think he i think he threw in the towel when he
0: said that well he at least was looking the opposite way when your left hook came yeah
2: it's it's it was a difficult when we start talking about this it's difficult for me because I, i like jm i think life on mars is one of the greatest songs ever written i think it's bowie's by far bowie's best song and that first album or first side of that album i agree is one of the strongest sides of, of rock and roll with the exception of kooks kooks to me is like you're traveling along on the train and someone pulls that emergency brake and you slam up against the wall and then and then they start off again with quicksand you're like oh thank god we're, we're moving again uh there's not there's not a song like that on ziggy um not a song like that at all on ziggy um the second side i think of hunky dory is pretty weak um i'm not a big fan of the robert zimmerman song i'm not a uh Big fan of the Andy Warhol song. Uh I I will say that um, you know, it ends ends on a strong note. I'm okay with that. Hunky Dory's much campier than Z- Ziggy. The the theme of Ziggy's campy, but it's played straight and it works. Hunky Dory, you got Bowie doing his whole kind of cabaret thing, which is which is sometimes, you know, like when he's singing Fill Your Heart, it's Love will
1: clean your mind and make you offer it.
2: It's a little it's a little much i think sometimes when you realize that it was a tiny tim tiny tim saying it you can kind of see okay that maybe that's it um but uh but i mean you got you know when you look at ziggy uh, uh, you know it's it starts off great with five years and then it just it just gets it just gets rolling moon age daydream holy cow i mean that's like that's like someone saying here's mick ronson enjoy You know, um, it, it's incredible, and and then it just keeps going. And then side two, uh, this is an odd. I know the topic people think this is an odd thing, but it, it starts off with Lady Stardust, which I think is one of the, which is also I think one of Bowie's greatest songs. Um, oddly enough, because I'm defending Ziggy for being such a rock and roll album, but Lady Stardust, uh, which I think musically fits maybe Hunky Dory more, except for thematically it fits Ziggy. Is just it's just incredible. It's sort of the the heart of that album in a lot of ways. The, the the just overall that album's a stronger collection of songs uh, than Hunky Dory. Hunky Dory's got some of the better music on it, without a doubt. But Ziggy's Ziggy's a better album.
0: Okay, well, um one thing that remained unmentioned about Ziggy is uh, the greatest uh, line in rock and roll is on that album. Well, and, wham
2: Bam, uh, thank you, ma'am.
0: <laughs> well, that's I'm sure to you that's really important. I thank you for bringing us to that level. I was thinking of something much more positive. Let all the children boogie. Let the children Let the children Let all the children boogie. Oh, that's right. Boogie. Let all the children boogie. That's right. Boogie. I mean, what's what's better than a space alien coming all the way to Earth <laughs> to tell everyone to let the children boogie? Yeah. <laughs>
2: All um, right. My favorite song, one I mean my favorite song on the album is Lady Stardust. I don't think that's the best song on the album if you can make a distinction between what's your favorite and what's the best. I, I'm, pro- I'm probably gonna go with Moon Age Daydream.
1: I'm an I'm
0: a mama papa coming for you. I'm a space invader. That's the best song on there. Oh, that's I an interesting the... choice. Jim, do you wanna tell us that life on is there life on Mars is the best uh, song again?
1: Yes, I will tell you that Life on Mars is the, is the best song on there. Um and I would say Queen Bitch oh. is in my top 5 favorite Bowie songs.
0: Yeah, I, oh I think oh, yeah.
1: like 5 years on Ziggy Stardust is the best song on that, that album.
0: it's amazing the record company decided to start their album with that um, yeah I, well you know there's 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 no uh early hook but, but you know like like think about Herman hermit's ver- version of uh oh you pretty thing he he starts with the chorus yeah on that song where, where Bowie is he, I don't I, he has so much confidence in the uh, attractive power of his music it he doesn't seem to play by those rules
2: it's yeah. it's a perfect song though to i mean that when you're talking about the drum beat eh, not to get too metaphysical here or whatever but it's you know it sounds like it sounds like a heartbeat and yeah. talking about the planet being on life support and the, the amazing thing about that song as well is that bowie his vocals on that song i mean you you almost believe that you only have we only have five years left the way yeah. he sings on that song it's a, it's
0: incredible
1: I heard he did that song in one take. He did his vocals in one take.
0: Yeah, I, I I heard from a I watched some interviews and they said that he couldn't stand to do more than three takes on any of the songs, which is yeah. just amazing that he was that they're <laughs> able to pull that off. Um, all right, JM, tell us about Honky Dory's influence. <laughs>
1: There's something that Donovan tried to do for a very long time that I don't, don't think he was ever successful at. Everything that Bo, that that Donovan did was so self-conscious. It, all of his stuff just became this kind of trite music. And I think that Bowie, on this album, reclaimed it. It did just kind of create this sort of um, psychedelic folk rock. Like, where instrumentation wasn't just limited to acoustic guitars and uh, kind of cosmic cowboy kind of uh, West Coast sound or the Colorado sound or whatever. You would not have it if you didn't have this album. And that's a little bit of a stretch.
0: I didn't see that coming one bit. Tony? Yeah, it's a a stretch.
2: It's a swing and a miss, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I... I said it earlier. I think this album influenced the one that followed it. I think it was a setup for it. Uh, um, that's not to say it doesn't have uh, doesn't have uh, other reaches, but um, there's no comparison. You don't have you don't have the Ramones without Ziggy Stardust and the spiders from Mars. Um, I mean, you, you listen to H- Hang on to Yourself.
1: On. Get the pick, gonna make it. On, yourself. And
2: that is that's a straight Ramones you know I mean you just can't hear you can't hear the Ramones without hearing that song you don't have new new wave without that album uh I mean you don't have I'll put it this way and this isn't necessarily a good thing you don't have hair metal without that album um I mean that album stretches and had just has a reach beyond anything that I think Bowie ever did um and I think I think he may have known that as well I mean he killed off the character killed off the album and because uh, I, I don't think he could continue it going on. But I think that also may be one of the reasons why it's so, so influential is he didn't just keep doing the same thing. And so it was this place in time that people could keep going back to and diving into it. And the album's so deep and it's so musically rich. And uh, and I think that that well, people just keep, you know, grabbing onto. Uh, you wouldn't have modern music, modern rock and roll music without Ziggy Stardust and Inspire of Mars.
0: That brings us to the end <laughs> I think that this was terribly unfair. (laughs) This
1: was. Because not only is Ziggy Stardust my favorite Bowie album, it's (laughs) maybe my favorite Bowie album of all time. And it's not even. And Hunky Dory isn't even my second favorite Bowie album.
2: That's funny because Hunky Dory is my favorite (laughs) Bowie album.
0: (laughs) How do I get this backwards? Anyway. It was
2: it was challenging, but um, and, but it's my favorite. It's my favorite album for the exact reason JM said that first side. I I don't think Bowie ever wrote better music than that. The than you know the the every song but Kook on that on that first <laughs> side of that album. We have a
0: um, we have a permanent disagreement on Kook. Apparently, I love that yeah. album. I love that song.
2: Nah. Fantastic. And and let me tell you something if you've ever listened to some of the outtakes on Hunky Dory there's a song called Bombers that he replaced Fill Your Heart with. Bombers is amazing yeah. and it would have been significantly better. Queen Bitch, I'm with you, JM. It's one of my it's one of my top 5 Bowie songs. It's, yeah, you, you don't get true. you don't get better than that. Almost. Yeah,
1: it's just you know, incredible. I, I, I don't understand. Here's another thing I'm going to say. I don't understand why Bowie felt like he needed to pay homage to bob dylan especially in 1971.
2: well you know queen queen bitch is a, is an homage to lou reed well, that's a mm-hmm. that's a lou reed song bowie yeah. doing his version of a that's, Lou that's that's
0: something i want to ask you guys about we talk about how influential ziggy is but david boy came to new york and yeah. got way influenced by that experience yeah. by lou reed uh iggy pop talk a minute about how the united states and new york specifically uh, got a hold of him and kind of shook some of that folk stuff off and 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 turned him into this rocker
1: sure it's, it's where he met uh that's where tony viscotti was from and just uh tony viscotti had been working with um t-rex and and mm-hmm. you know, mark bolin and then and, and, Tony Viscotti became one of his go-to producers for pretty much the rest of his his recording career. You know they.
0: Well, that's yeah. another thing. Yeah. At this period of time, uh, these two albums and all the other projects he had during this period of time—it's ridiculous. He's producing. Uh, I know he produced three really important albums, other than it his own, big. during this period of time, and. Uh,
1: yeah. He was oh. playing. Um, Electric pian- Bowie was playing piano for uh, Ziggy Star. I mean, from uh, Iggy Pop on his tour at that time, and then he also went on tour with um, Lou Reed playing piano behind him. So he was just enamored with that scene that was going on in New York and Detroit.
0: That's one another one of those amazing uh, instances where a British guy is turned on by American music, and then. Americans start copying the British guy, and then the British guy starts copying the Americans again, and it just keeps bouncing back and forth, and it's really produced a lot of amazing things.
1: It really has.
2: Well, and and uh, it, started, it started actually before he we went to New York because Warhol's troupe was... I think they were doing Pork, one of those plays he did. I don't know if that's yeah. the right one or not. And, uh, you know, it's all about, you know, sexual gender bending and all that kind of stuff. And Bowie... Bowie jumped onto that, and then when he got into New York and immersed himself in the scene there, it was even even more so. You know, Yeah. I mean, you had the you had the New York Dolls at that point, um, sort of emerging as mm-hmm. you know a different version of that glam rock stuff. I mean, they were they were playing really loud, you know, for lack of a better term, masculine music, but they were
0: wearing makeup and dresses when they did it. <laughs> um, and so that that, 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 ka- that glam rock, just who who, who do you who do you credit with the first instance of that
2: the t-rex yeah it gotta be t-rex
0: it's
1: That's t-rex saying, and,
2: want... and, and and he and bowie bowie had a thing for mark bolan i mean supposedly lady stardust was written for mark bolan and then he ended up having a kind of a uh what do you call it a, a rivalry with him and i think maybe to a certain extent maybe even sid barrett was kind of on the on the kind of the beginning edges of that kind of thing too mm-hmm. you know yeah. um but, but I think Bill, B- Bowie's really attracted to this idea of having this kind of feminine, masculine, I just says it sounds so pretentious, but duality on, on his albums and on stage. And that's why he had these, these three guys from Hole you know, playing playing in his, his backup band, these real buff, beef, you know, buff guys, but they're in makeup. And then Bowie's up there prancing around and doing his thing. And it was just like, that, I think that was what he was going for. And the whole New York scene was, was, that's what that was all about, is kind of not really having any, there were no boundaries to that stuff. It was like, do whatever, you know?
1: Yeah. You had supposedly Trevor Boulder, who's went on to play with bands like Uriah Heap, and, Mick Ronson just both hated that uh, Spiders from Mars tour. They hated wearing the makeup. They hated wearing all that, doing all that glam stuff. I had, I had
2: heard that um, they hated it until they realized how many chicks they got from dressing
0: up. <laughs> 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 and then they didn't hate it so much. So you're really talking about um, one of the most talented rock and rollers of all time, when you're talking about David Boyd, there's not too many people you can put above him. Mm-hmm. And to, to understand that you got this uh, cross-dressing guy singing about a weirdo from outer space coming to earth to save us from ourselves. And you have three Texans here talking about how great he is. <laughs> um that's a, <laughs> that's a pretty big deal cuz he, he does everything that bothers me if somebody else were to do it but with him he gets a complete pass the guy could write he music write. he was incredibly inventive it's 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 like five careers with one person in my mind
1: yeah yeah well and his his relationship never be equaled i really don't know that there could be another musician who can just assimilate so many styles
0: and he was a moving target he never yeah as soon as you thought you had a handle on him he was doing something completely different
2: it's yeah it's pretty interesting how he did that it was never he was never either uh, he was never comfortable in something or he just got bored with it and and i mean you know and tossed it aside and did something else um but yeah i agree he's uh unparalleled
0: the guy was incredible well speaking of unparalleled tony <laughs> what do you have for the kids this week
2: well normally i I'd, I'd recommend an album that's you know released over the last couple of years that i've gotten into that maybe no one's heard of or very few people have heard of that i really think's worth a listen this this week though because of what we're talking about i want to i want to recommend a documentary instead there's a documentary on Amazon called Beside Bowie, the Mick Ronson story. And it's really, it, you know, there's a big chunk of it about this time period we're talking about. And, and it goes into some details about his uh, influence on Bowie, really kind of the unsung hero of, of that time period from the man who sold the world all the way through, through, I guess, pinups was the last album he was on. Um, but uh, just to go show you how, how much people thought of Mick Ronson in this documentary, Lou Reed is on there saying nothing but positive things about, about Mick Ronson. That was the last time you ever heard Lou Reed say anything positive about anybody (laughs) in public. Right. And he's just gushing over the guy. Um, So that tells you something about, about what he did. There's a scene where Lou Reed's um, at the control panel and they're listening to Transformer and he's, he's pulling some of the strings sections down and listening to him and just, just, I mean, he's in awe of what mick ronson was able to do uh not the highest quality uh in terms of production value but definitely if you're a fan of this stuff and you're a fan of mick ronson and you you believe like me that he's a very underrated one probably the most underrated rock and roll guitarist it's worth it's worth a look it's on amazon it's streaming on amazon prime
1: yes that's it for tonight's show uh next week we'll be looking at an album that's one of our favorites for Every Man by Jackson Brown, who is still alive. So give us a shout out on Facebook or look us up on Spotify or any other favorite podcast platforms. And you can email us at tapping vinyl, one word, at gmail.com. Leave us a note or tell us what albums you'd like us to lambast. For our host, Doug Cooper. Our co host, Tony Slagle, and me, your producer, JM Rowe, also known as Jonathan. That's it for tonight's show.